Hello, 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 and welcome into a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, we are brought to you in our first hour, as always, by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area now for 15 years, all the way back to 2007. You can call them up at 405 405- 579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Any heating and air work you need done, they'll do a great job for you at a uh, very fair price with professional service people. Great company. Great former Sooner Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. All right. Uh, we, we may get into a little bit, just a little bit, a little morsel of the Bedlam stuff today. My head was going to explode yesterday. I, if I would have seen Brett McMurphy yesterday, I would have been in a prison jumpsuit today because I would have strangled the man for bringing this back up. I understand there were some new quotes from Joe C. and Chad Weiberg. I'm not saying there was, there was a little bit of freshness to the story, and Brett is a really good writer and reporter, but I still would have strangled him yesterday. That seems a little over the top. I, well, are, are we just doing saying, okay on I'm this just, Wednesday? No, I, I'm having a mental health uh, Wednesday. I, I'm having a bad one. But And yesterday I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are the same old arguments I've seen for 40 years. So I thought, we're not going to lead with Bedlam today. You know what we're going to lead with? There's a game coming up this Saturday night on Fox, 7 o'clock, our pregame show. Parker will get us started, 1 o'clock. Down at the uh, Hertz Donuts uh, parking lot. We'll also be at Balfour of Norman for Sooner pregame against Kansas State. Oklahoma, 13-point favorite in this game. Sooners coming off a very impressive victory over a pretty bad Nebraska team. But it's the way they handled their business that was impressive by Oklahoma because, again, the Sooners could have named their score in that game. K-State, meanwhile, struggling. Losing to Tulane 17-10 to last week. They couldn't get Deuce Vaughn loose. The Deuce was not loose in Manhattan last week. In fact, the Deuce was in the locker room for about a quarter of that game, cramping up. And Kansas State's offense, man, they, they had some issues, particularly on third and fourth down. And again, 3 of 20 on those two downs. That's not going to get it done. So, again, we know that Kansas State's going to play uh, tough against Oklahoma, play better against Oklahoma. Let's hear from... Chris Klein and the K-State head coach on facing K-State alum Brent Venables in this matchup. Brent Venables played at Kansas State, yep. knows a heck of a lot about this school. Does that make it any harder going up against a coach who has that much familiarity uh, with the place? It might be harder for Brent, you know. Uh, always was harder for me when I go against school that I that I, that I went to. Um, I think there's some of those feelings like that, but it, it doesn't matter. It's what happens on the field between the two teams and the players and got a tremendous amount of respect for Brent. He's a phenomenal football coach, a great human being. I've, I've had a chance to be around him um, a, a number of times. And um, uh, he's a great football coach, and, and uh, I think uh, it, it's a credit to him for waiting around for the right opportunity. You know, he had plenty of opportunities when he was at Clemson under Dabo, um, but he waited around for the right opportunity, and he's in a great situation. Sooners had three and OK State at two and one. I like Chris Kleiman. I think he's a pretty good football coach. And uh, again, they certainly didn't perform last week. And one of the issues. Parker has been Adrian Martinez for K-State. You don't say. Yeah, I do say, yes. Well, (laughs) yes. Imagine that. No, I think for Oklahoma, the recipe on Saturday night is make Adrian Martinez beat you with his arm. Because what kept Nebraska in the game last year, as you'll recall, when Adrian Martinez was the quarterback up there, was the dude would run wild on third down and find a way to move the chains with his legs. So, as long as you can keep him between the tackles, 
As long as you can provide adequate pressure up front to be able to force him to make an early decision as to whether he's going to get the ball out or whether he's going to tuck and run, that's going to be the recipe for success against a guy like Adrian Martinez because he's far more of a threat as a runner than he is as a passer. Yeah, no doubt. And to me, Adrian Martinez has always been a really good athlete and a very average quarterback, right? Uh, And he actually, last year for Adrian Martinez, when he was playing for Nebraska, I thought threw the ball pretty well against Oklahoma. Everybody remembers the D.J. Graham interception, but you're right. Um, One of the things I think Sooner fans can feel good about in this matchup is – I think Oklahoma's more disciplined on defense. I don't think they're better tacklers. I also think that, uh, you know, he gets outside. If he, he's not going to get outside that much, I think the Sooners will contain him pretty well and force him to run up inside. Uh, it just seems like the uh, situation, again, is uh, better for Oklahoma, obviously, on the defensive side of the football. And, again, we played the uh, comment the other day, I think it was Monday, actually, from – uh, Adrian Martinez, he was asked straight up by a reporter, are basically, are you afraid to throw the football downfield? And he said no. But Chris Kleiman did say yesterday that Adrian Martinez is no doubt playing too conservatively. Yeah, I, I would say without question. And, and uh, uh, CK and I had a long meeting and, and visited with uh, Adrian about it, and he would agree that um, he's got to cut it loose and rip it. And uh, um, if a mistake's made, a mistake's made. But uh, be aggressive in in in, uh, in what you see and what you believe. And uh, uh, we've seen that in uh, in fall camp, and now we've just got to see it uh, on a Saturday. And uh, I know it's there. I know uh, that uh, he can do it. He doesn't want to make the mistake. I think we all know that. I think nobody wants to make the mistakes. Um, but there's times where. Um, you just got to let it rip, and if, if something happens um, that's a, a negative play, we got to bounce back from it and, and get a stop on defense or, shoot, we're going to make some positive plays too. There you go. That quote threw me for a loop for a second because he said, CK and I had a meeting. I was like, is he talking about himself yeah, in the he, third yeah. person? But then I was like, oh, Colin Klein. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, when I heard that clip this morning, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that Colin Klein guy. Colin Klein, remember Colin Klein was actually at, I can't remember who won, uh, that Heisman, but he was in New York for that Heisman. That ceremony. would have been. There were only three, and I think Colin, Colin Klein and two others. It was that was the Manti Teo year, so he was there. Manti Teo Who did win it. Colin that Klein year. was. Wow, that wasn't uh, wasn't the Derrick Henry. Year, no, was no, no, it? no, that was um, 2015. We're this is 2012. We're talking about. Oh my gosh, we're going back to 2012. I have no recollection of who won the Heisman in 2012. 2012. Somebody will help us out on the text line. They can go ahead and Google it up. But I just remember that Colin Klein was actually there. He was a big-time quarterback for Kansas State, no doubt. All right, speaking of the current quarterback, Adrian Martinez, talking about the loss to Tulane and looking ahead to Oklahoma Saturday. Really missed on some opportunities, I think, collectively and and individually, and uh, a lot we can learn from. But, you know, I said it out there, you know, the sky is not falling. Um, All of our goals and aspirations are are still on the horizon for us, and – you know, this team's confident going into this week. What's the number one priority for this week? Um, execution, you know, hammering the details. And um, I'd say the way we bounced back yesterday, the way we are continuing to bounce back today, I think our guys are, are coming out aggressive and with high energy. Is there more added juice for this week just simply because you're coming off of a loss? Um, I think every week this team's got juice. And, uh, you know, obviously it's the start of our Big 12 schedule. It's uh, Oklahoma this week, so... You know, I think naturally there might be a little bit more. 
And then you personally, you played in Norman last year. Um, having that understanding of what it's going to be like, do you feel like maybe you can be a leader for some of the guys on the offense who haven't played there? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily our mindset. I think Oklahoma is a good enough team in and of itself to not worry about the atmosphere as much. Um, but, yeah, for sure. You know, guys ask, and I do have that experience, so I think it helps. There you go. Johnny Manziel. No wonder we forgot. Yeah, I was about to say, the most forgettable Heisman Trophy winner of the 21st century, not named Troy Smith. Troy Smith, you kind of forget about Troy Smith. Back in my day, it was like Gino Toretta, maybe, was one of those guys. Um, Danny Werfel, one of those guys. But, yeah, uh, from that point on, you're right. Uh, so it was Johnny Manziel, it was Colin Klein, and it was Manti Teo. Yes. That was that it. Is correct. Those were the three finalists for the Heisman. So, um, what about some similarities to 2020, Parker? K State lost early in 2020. People were saying, "Man, that team." Who did they lost to Arkansas State? They lost right? to Arkansas State to open the season. Came they came in. to Norman down like 40 players because yeah, of COVID 19. That's right. That's exactly right. Nobody in the stands, and then Oklahoma has two 21 point leads in that game, and boom. Disaster. Kansas I remember, State wins it. Like walking away from that game, just having a very unique feeling, like I was living in a parallel universe. I remember watching that, and like obviously in the days leading up to that game, there was still an opportunity, there was still a possibility, even 48 hours before kickoff, that the game wasn't going to get played at all, that it was going to get canceled or postponed because Kansas State was down so many players. There was not a doubt in anybody's mind that Oklahoma was going to steamroll the Wildcats that day. And they get up 35-14 to 14 in the third quarter. And, then, of course, by the end of it all, it felt like the fourth quarter went by in a blink of an eye. And you're sitting there as the clock hits zero. And it's Kansas State 38, Oklahoma 35. And I remember walking away from that game like, that didn't actually just happen. Like, we're, I, I'm, I'm having a COVID hallucination or something. There's no way that Kansas State team just rallied from 21 down to beat Oklahoma on their home field. There's also no way Muleshoe punted the ball back to Kansas State. Yes. Down three points with less than three minutes remaining. Muleshoe did it, yeah. Absolutely he did. So, yeah, that that was a baffling game. The Sooners had every opportunity to close the door on that game, and they just left it open, and Kansas State walked right through it and, and took the game here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's take a timeout right here. Thank you again to Lasher Home Comfort Systems underway here on a Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune at Noon, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. When we get back, all right, let's let's try and take a little bit of a different angle on this Bedlam deal because it's over. It's like that Vince Carter meme or gif. It's over. So let's try and maybe take a little bit different angle on it when we get back. Stay with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref. We uh, will be moving on uh, from Bedlam after this uh, segment. But I, I got to tell you, man, I'm very impressed. The Great White Buffalo coming into the uh, K-Rep parking lot today. 
Parker Thune did a power slide like Fast and Furious and landed right perfectly in the par- in the parking spot. It was very impressive. Got out, shades on. You can tell he's a changed man with the uh, Great White Buffalo as his new vehicle. In increased levels of self-confidence. Yes, I can Exuding. see it, man. The way you strutted in here after that was very impressive. Super impressive. All right, uh, we're going to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in just a second. 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. So when this Brett McMurphy story came out initially yesterday, and I think Brett does a really good job, but you're like, yeah, uh, we like, you know, we already knew that, that Bedlam was over. But again, it, he also went into the detailed explanation of exactly why it's over. And we knew a lot of that, but there were new quotes again from Chad Weiberg, the Oklahoma State Athletic Director, and from Joe Castiglione. And then yesterday, Mike Gundy. Man, he was holding court and had this to say about what was happening. We're having what I think are childish discussions, in my opinion, okay, over something that's done. And I would like to like make this the last statement I have because I have no hard feelings, but What's going on now is is almost a situation with a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend. When you know you're dead wrong and you try to turn the table and make them think they're wrong, when Oklahoma State has no part in this, we didn't have anything to do with their negotiations with the SEC. We didn't have any choice on choosing to leave the conference. They did. There you go. What do you think about Mike Gundy's assessment there? I mean, at face value, he's right. A lot of what he said is right, but again, it is—it's all about man. We got to try and make the other guy look bad. This is this is their fault. And OU did make the move to the SEC, and it was a clandestine meeting behind closed doors. You don't openly advertise that kind of a move. Was it kind of a move by OU? Yeah, for the rest of the members of the conference, no doubt it was. But again, the Sooners are looking out for their football future, and they're going to make a lot more money, and they're going to play against better competition. Uh, pretty much week in, week out in the SEC. and uh, But I love what Bob Stoops said yesterday. This is so Bob Stoops. Bob does such a great job on the rush on Tuesdays, and they asked Bob about his thoughts on uh, Bedlam coming to an end. Yeah, um, you know, so be it. I anticipated it. Um, I think everybody anticipated it. And uh, not everything stays the same. I mean, Nebraska left us long time ago to go to the Big Ten, and so that that was another huge rivalry. You know, that gone by the wayside, and or it was every couple years we might play, but in the end it changed everything. Things change. That's just the, the way of the world, the way life goes. Uh, so be it. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of incredibly big games in our stadium that will make up for that, I would guess. I guess you could just think about some of them that might be coming. There you go. Greed, for lack of a better word, kills rivalries. Sure. But I think Bob makes a very intriguing point when he draws the parallel between the end of Bedlam and the end of the OU-Nebraska rivalry, right? It wasn't a big deal when Nebraska moved to the Big Ten and the OU-Nebraska rivalry went by the wayside because OU's football identity wasn't wrapped up in the relationship with Nebraska, and Nebraska's football identity wasn't wrapped up in the relationship with Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's football identity, at least a large portion of it, is wrapped up in the relationship with OU. 
True. That's why you get people saying, well, I don't know why Oklahoma made this move to the SEC without considering the interests of Oklahoma State. Obviously, these two programs should move in concert if they're going to if one of them is going to make a move like this, obviously they, the other should were, be looped in. They were going to uh, when it was going to be the Pac-12, right? They were going to be uh, connected. And, uh, you know, I think the SEC just didn't want Oklahoma State. They wanted Oklahoma and Texas. They didn't want Oklahoma State. Um, but yesterday, just seeing the back and forth, I'm like, man, these are the same. I, I could have gone into, uh, you know, a coma for 40 years, woken up. Yeah, they're saying the same things. Record, not a rivalry. Oklahoma State fans are coming back. You know, you're greedy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, that's going to happen until the end of time. But um, for me, now that we know it's not happening, and I'd rather have Bedlam, I don't think that we're absolutely 100% not going to see it. If either side wanted to play, if they wanted to play, they would figure out a way to play. They would. Oklahoma doesn't really have any interest in it, I don't think. Now, you're hearing some people say, well, oh, you try to get them to play. And then you hear other people who are close to the program saying, Oklahoma has no interest in playing them. Uh, Oklahoma State, I said this yesterday, if I'm Mike Gundy, I'm doing cartwheels. I don't have to play Oklahoma anymore. Oklahoma State is out of the Sooners' shadow. Oklahoma State has a good program right now. It's not at Oklahoma's level, probably never will be in our lifetime. Um, you know, it's just tradition and it's money and it's prestige and it's just the way it is. But for Oklahoma State, blazing a new path in the new Big 12 and the Sooners seeing how they do in the SEC, and I think Oklahoma's going to do fine in the SEC. I'm not just saying they're going to jump in there and be Alabama or Georgia right away. But guess what? Over time, Oklahoma's going to be, uh, you know, they're already coming in as probably the third best program in the SEC, certainly very much uh, in that mix. I would put them third. But um, now we just need to see, you know, what it looks like for Oklahoma State. Can they be the the best team in the new Big 12? Can they be that team in that program? And for the Sooners, stepping up in the level of uh, conference uh, opponents and everything and more intriguing matchups, I'm saying, look, we know what's happening. Let's get, let's get on and see what happens with both schools uh, in their conference situations moving forward. The next two bedlams going to be pretty interesting. How about that final bedlam matchup in Stillwater next year? You think that would uh, be crazy? Well, or what, what we presume would be the final bedlam. Yeah, match. and I think it will be. I, 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 and I agree with you. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll certainly be a strange may, dynamic. Maybe we get a playoff matchup, right? Maybe you get and a, in a twelve-team playoff, it's all the more it likely. Could, it could happen. You don't think they wouldn't want to match Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? You know. Here's the deal. If I'm looking at this from the perspective of an Oklahoma State fan or an Oklahoma State stakeholder. Am I really all that bummed out by the end of this rivalry? Because Oklahoma's owned it for the entire history of the Bedlam series, right? And the Sooners appear content to go their own way and make the transition to the SEC and establish new rivalry series. Like I like I was saying yesterday, I think OU Arkansas has the potential to be a really fun rivalry series. For Oklahoma State, why wouldn't you be eager to see the team that's eaten your lunch for a century out the door and see what happens in the new Big 12? See what types of rivalries naturally crop up once you bring Houston and Cincinnati and BYU and UCF into the fold. I, I, I'm not really clear as to why there seems to be this sentiment. I'm not trying to paint with too broad a brush here. 
because I don't think this is the feeling among everybody in the Oklahoma State corner. But I really don't understand why there seem to be so many folks in the Oklahoma State corner that are clinging to Bedlam and trying to find any way, any path, any means by which this rivalry could be preserved. Because why would you want it to be preserved at yeah, this point in, in time? Yeah, in my opinion, Oklahoma State, uh, again, Mike Gundy's done a nice job there, really has uh, done a, a fabulous job and doesn't recruit at the same level as OU, but, you know, he develops those players. That's why Oklahoma State over the last decade has been better than Texas and a lot of the other schools, again, behind, um, again, uh, Oklahoma, but, you know, arguably the second-best program in the league for a while now uh, with what he's done. So, again, man, I, I look, we're not going to play it. It's not going to happen. I don't care, you know, who you want to blame or whatever. Like I said, if both sides wanted to play the game, they would find out a way to play the game. They would cancel a game with Tulsa or somebody else, you know, and all this, well, we can't make a move because we're set in stone in our schedule for the next 30 years or whatever. If you wanted to play the game, both sides, you could find out a way to play it. I don't think either side really wants to play it. And you know what? I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Would I rather have it? Yes. But now I'm just going to focus in. All right, man, let's see what Oklahoma State does, you know, out of Oklahoma's shadow. Like I said, can they become the premier dominant program in the New Look Big 12? And what are the Sooners? Can they flex and, uh, you know, hang with the big boys, Bama and Georgia, once they get to the SEC? That's going to be fascinating to see it play out. And then if we do get like a battle of matchup at a playoff game, that would be unbelievable. Or maybe some bowl game. But if you're going to a bowl game outside of a 12-team playoff, it's probably not going to be a very good bowl game. So, anyway. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I care less about Bedlam and more about Parker's score on this week's ODWC quiz. <laughs> what is ODWC? Hmm. Am I, I'm just not following. Should I know this? I, Should I have I, context I, I, for got, this? got me confused. Okay, good. Glad we're on the same page here. Uh, one listener says, move on, OSU sucks. Another says, the Aggies are upset at losing Texas from their schedule. That's a high percentage win for them. Uh, OSU uses OU game to sell season tickets. Houston or BYU aren't going to do that, says another listener. Yeah, I, and I get that. It's Financially, it's not a great situation uh, for Oklahoma State. I, I, yeah, you're right. They are jealous that they aren't part of the SEC party. Yeah, I think that's kind of the consensus take among OU fans. I don't know how I, – I, and I imagine there's some level of truth to that. But, again, I just think it has more to do with the fact that so much of Oklahoma State's identity as a football program is wrapped up in the relationship with and the rivalry with Oklahoma. To a certain extent, yeah. Steely, have you seen the future OSU schedules? Um, A little bit. I know they've got a home-and-home home with Bama coming up. They've got some pretty good opponents uh, on that schedule, yes. But – uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of posturing from both sides right now, and I think deep down neither side really wants to play the game right now. Somebody said, uh, so that, that ah, listener clarified, okay. Oklahoma Department of Wildlife and Conservation. The next person to DM me an alligator tweet gets blocked. There you go. I should have been able to get that. They post the quiz on Fridays. You want to take the quiz on Friday live on the air? Why not? Does it, it – it, w- Sure. No, sure. Why not? No, we'll do we, it. We we'll can't do, do that. That's for that's for other shows. You know what we do here, man? We talk sports. Or what we do? We don't have any fun. We just talk sports. Okay. 
This is the funeral march for Bedlam right here. Both schools free as a bird now. And the schedules will not change. See what I did there? Well done, Steely. Um, well done. I try. All right, we're coming back. Cade McFarland uh, from uh, KJRH-TV in Tulsa. Joining us next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. It is a Wednesday, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. A lot of texts rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll try and get to as many as we can today, 405-651-3439. The Air Comfort Solutions text line. Right now we've got on the Riverwind Casino hotline our friend Cade McFarland, KJRH-TV in Tulsa. Caden, I'm sure you enjoyed this full-fledged bedlam controversy yesterday. We wake up, we weren't anticipating that, and then Brett McMurphy started the fire and Mike Gundy fanned the flames yesterday. I'm sure uh, that our weatherman who had time taken away from him and uh, the news producers that I called at about 547 saying, you have got to give me two extra minutes at 10. I'm sure they were real excited about it, too. Yeah. Um, look, Mike Gundy, whether you agree or not, uh, I, I don't want to do this job where I got to provide the people with uh, sports clips uh, if he's if he's not the head coach at OSU. He is elite at that, if nothing else. He's certainly a content machine. Yes, that he much is. is evident. Uh, Kane, we're going to try to stray away from Notre Dame questions today because I imagine that's a uh, that's a sensitive it. topic as not of great. late. But. Uh, uh, what do you what do you make of this whole situation? Uh, and obviously, it's it's not really anything we didn't know already. Everybody right. kind of figured OU and Oklahoma State were going to go their separate ways once the transition to the SEC took place for the Sooners. But is this a rivalry that you think would have been better served for both schools to try and sustain, or are you okay with this one going by the wayside? Oh, absolutely. I, I look who who wins. With regard to losing, I, of course, the Sooners win going to the SEC. I mean, you would absolutely sacrifice the Bedlam rivalry when that is, you know, the carrot on the stick. No question. I think OSU wins. I, I think, it, you know, as much kind of posturing, elite posturing, as we've seen from Gundy on this, nobody, nobody in this state is happier to see the Bedlam rivalry go away than Mike Gundy, in my personal opinion, if you gave him truth serum. That's the one team that's kept him from being the king of a conference uh, for the last decade. I, I think he is more than happy to let the Sooners move on down to the SEC. And maybe, you know, if he can have the right kind of quarterback, as Spencer Sanders type going forward, you know, be year in, year out, the best the Big 12 has to offer. I, I, I think Gundy's pleased with it. I think a lot of OSU fans are. I mean, the losers, um, you know, are, are kind of – those of us in the middle, if you will, who are this has been a great rivalry. Even when I lived in New Mexico, you were aware of the Bedlam rivalry, and it was fun. And when you live in this state, it's a different thing because it is 365 days a year, right? I mean, it. I I think, I think we're going to miss this more than more than we realize, and in ways that maybe we're not even thinking about yet. And I do have hope that in a few years, you know, as emotions kind of calm down, that they'll revisit this thing because no question, there's money to be made all the way around. It's just a great game. I mean, college football 
look, it's a great product with, in most ways, a great future. And what the SEC is doing, I mean, that's going to be must-watch TV for years and years. But at some point, you sacrifice, you know, one too many of these things. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State should be playing, you know, period, end of story, in my opinion. Frankly, I think it makes more sense if you're OSU to play this game as a non-conference game than it does as a, as a conference game. You should be more willing to play the Sooners now or going forward uh, than, you know, you were at least, maybe not willing, but at least excited to play them as a non-conference folks. What do they have to lose? You, I mean, if, you, if you're doing your job and you're running the new Big 12 conference, losing to OU is not going to knock you out of a 12-team playoff, but the shot at maybe beating those guys enhances your resume incredibly. I, I just... They they should be playing this game, but I absolutely understand why OSU isn't ready to do that yet. Like we all get that, right? Um, I yeah, I wish they could put aside the emotion and say, yeah, this game's valuable. It's worth preserving. Let's do it. But I get why they're not. I just I hope that that changes sooner rather than later. There you go. A little play on words there, too, uh, from Caden. All right. Uh, what did you think of OU and uh, what happened in Lincoln last Saturday? Well, I am, a, you know, obviously it happened on Saturday, and I think I was maybe a little um, – I tend to overreact, you know, day of. And as time goes by, you know, maybe, uh, you know, reason sets in a little bit. Um I'm beginning to wonder just how bad Nebraska is, just how poorly prepared they were for that ball game. Uh, but what it, coming away from it, what what can you say other than this is what we've been waiting for for a decade? And I'm talking about defensively. I never had any questions that offensively OU would be really good. Jeff Levy, Dylan Gabriel, all the talent that Lincoln Riley brought in, and then to you know maybe a, you know a few of the transfer guys as well. I, I've seen OU play great offensive football for years. I almost can't even imagine them not playing great offensive football. But to see these parts that looked so average for so long, playing with great effort, great togetherness, understanding where they need to be, I mean, that is so much of what good defense is. You don't necessarily – now, to play at the level Georgia plays at, yeah, you need a ton of first-round picks. But there are a lot of programs out there, Oklahoma State last year, for instance, that play not just good defense but very good or even elite defense with guys who know what they're doing and are willing to work harder, try harder than the guys on the other side. And I think we're seeing that from Oklahoma. And, man, it's, it's almost more amazing that they couldn't figure that out over the last decade than it is that Brent Venables been able, has been able to turn it around so quickly. You know what I mean? Like, you look at what that guy's done for 20 years, and frankly, it's just no surprise that this defense suddenly looks like a formidable unit in short order. And they have gone from the team that I don't. most people were afraid to pick, um, with great confidence anyway, as the preseason Big 12 favorite. Obviously, Baylor was number one in the preseason poll. Most of us kind of hemmed and hawed. I don't know, OSU, OU, Baylor, who do you pick? And, you know, three games in now, they are clearly the team to beat once again. Uh, and, I'll, and most of that has to do with what happened on Saturday. You know, um, it was as impressive as it could have been. But I'm telling you, as good – we see this in college football every single week, every single year, right? Teams that play their very best one week 
have a difficult time coming back the very next week and reproducing that. And it seemed like Kansas State, that plays pretty much its very worst in the loss to Tulane last week, they very often jump up and give you something much better. So I do expect this game to be closer than you would expect just based on the last two performances from these teams. Um, that said, yeah, I absolutely think OU is, is the best team in the Big 12 and ahead of schedule and better than I expected coming into the season already. So my question then becomes, Caden, because I was going to kind of ask you and you kind of already hit it there as to what kind of a litmus test Kansas State is going to be for OU this weekend. But as you look around and take stock of the remainder of the Big 12, right now you said Oklahoma looks like the best team in the conference. Who are two, three teams that you view as the primary challengers? Because it seems to me that uh, West Virginia is kind of quite clearly – uh, the team that's in the cellar at the moment. But Kansas yeah. is playing really good football. Yeah. Obviously, Texas, before Quinn Ewers got hurt, they looked pretty dang decent. Iowa State won the Cyhawk series, broke through against Iowa. And then you take a look at teams like Baylor and Oklahoma State, they don't look to be significantly diminished at all. So uh, which teams do you see sustaining their early season success and remaining in contention for a berth in the Big 12 title game come November or so? Yeah, hey, look, it, what Texas did against Alabama was really, really impressive. And if Ewers is healthy, ready to go, I mean, that, that is a team that's going to be a handful, I think, uh, in Dallas in a few weeks. I think Oklahoma State's offense, um, it, like I said, with the Sooners being ahead of schedule, I, it, the Cowboys offensively are better than I expected, and their defense the last couple of games has shown us that, you know, what we saw against Central Michigan was them being caught a little off guard, but they're closer to what we thought they were preseason. I think defensively that front is really, really good. I mean, I'd pro- in terms of threat to OU, I would probably rank it Texas, OSU, Baylor, and Baylor and OSU almost tied. In terms of just overall the, the best teams, I, you know, I'd, I'd probably go – OSU, Baylor, and then Texas. There's just Texas has the material. They recruited every year at a level very comparable to OU, if not better. They're going to have athletes comparable to OU's October the 8th in Dallas. They're the team, I think, if you're OU, that scares you the most. But I don't necessarily trust them like I do OSU and Baylor. OSU has the difficult schedule. They play the best teams on the road. But I think they are the next best team in this league with Spencer Sanders healthy and playing the way he is right now. Um, I, I've watched too many Bedlam games to go into that feeling like, you know, OSU is just going to go take it to them for a second straight year. I mean, it, like I say, I, I think maybe Baylor is in some ways a tougher matchup for OU, and I definitely think Texas is, but I do think OSU is probably the second best team. All that to say, I would be really surprised, as impressive as OU was last week, I'd, I'd be really surprised if they find a way to go 12-0 and through this stretch, right? I mean, I, most everybody probably agrees with that, even though I think they are the best team and the ceiling is even higher than what we saw Saturday against Nebraska. All of those teams that we've mentioned in the Big 12 are formidable, and then you throw in a Kansas State team this week that I bet plays them pretty close, and a Kansas team, <laughs> like, i got to see more, but, man, it's been good so far. Uh, and they obviously, you know, gave the Sooners a four-quarter game one year ago, and you got the running quarterback and everything else. So that, this Big 12, there are no easy weeks. Right, I mean, as soon as you, I mean, you mentioned West Virginia in the cellar, they had Pittsburgh beat. Um, there are no easy weeks in this league. 
Caden, great stuff, and I just realized I'm an idiot. We called you early because I promoted you early, and we should have been calling you at uh, 1.35. Instead, we called you at 12.35, and you, you still had it out of the park. So thank you very much. The old man. That all you need to know about my life, I'm, Mike. I'm I got having issues. To do, pal. Just call anytime. <laughs> Caden, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. You thank bet. you. Yeah, Parker, that's my bad because I was promoting him. Yeah, we got Caden coming up, and actually he was at 1.35, and I just realized I just promoted him a couple times. You know, I'm just getting close. One of the it's going to happen soon. I'm going to be like Admiral Stockdale in that vice presidential debate against Al Gore and Dan Quayle. Pretty soon, I'm just going to open up the mic to start the show and go, <laughs> "Who am I? Why am I here?" I mean, it's getting that bad. All right, stay with us here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. All right, welcome back. Sooners definitely took Nebraska to the whipping post last week. Will Kansas State get the same treatment Saturday? Our pregame show begins at 1 o'clock. When the Sooners and the Wildcats kick off at 7, you'll have all the pregame insight you need from us right here on the ref. Our pregame begins again at 1 o'clock. Hertz Donuts parking lot and Balfour of Norman, a great place to get Sooner sportswear and souvenirs. Jerry and company do a great job over there. We'll have you covered for Oklahoma, Kansas State. All right, let's get right to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, get as many as we can in right before we close out this first hour. And go ahead, Parker. Oh, boy, we have to sift through the detritus here. Uh, We also have to find texts that are readable and aren't going to get us in trouble with the FCC. One listener says, all we wanted was some night games. Blame Bowlesby. (laughs) Well, yeah, I like the one right on top of it. Mama says alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. Got a little Bobby Boucher text coming in. Very good. Something wrong with his medulla oblongata. Sorry. (laughs) When Oklahoma gets the SEC, they will clearly be the number two best program in that conference. If you go back over the last 22 years, who's had more opportunities to win a national championship? Oklahoma. Oklahoma's won one national championship. Georgia's won one national championship. Oklahoma has won more games in that period. I'm tired of everyone saying when Oklahoma gets the SEC, will they be able to hang with the big boys? Oklahoma is a big boy. Nobody ever said Oklahoma wasn't a big boy, and but we're not going back 22 years. And Oklahoma is an excellent program, uh, certainly still a blue blood, and uh, you know they've been on the doorstep. But Georgia has kicked in the door and Georgia's recruiting at a very high level now this Oklahoma class for 2023 is going to be right there with Georgia maybe finish ahead of Georgia it's going to be close down the stretch the Sooners get DJ Hicks and Akana and Peyton Bowen and guys like down the stretch like that down the stretch it will be better but uh, if you say right now just right now 
It is Bama, Georgia, one A, and then you put Oklahoma right, right uh, in, the, in leading the next group. In my opinion, nobody ever said Oklahoma wasn't a big boy. We're not total morons. One listener of the nine one eight says, "Calling it now. Within the next eight years, Oklahoma State will be in the SEC." You buying that? I, I who knows? I mean, if they keep talking about if we're going to have sixty teams and three power conferences with twenty teams each, I don't know. The SEC to me, wouldn't it seem if they if they first expansion they would go to would be like the Clemson and Florida State, right? Maybe North Carolina. Yes, my, uh, Miami. Yeah, yeah that, schools like that. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Oklahoma State has a good program, but again, the SEC. Wasn't interested. No, and I don't think they would be interested if you had schools like Florida State and Clemson and North Carolina and even Virginia Tech, for instance, uh, also on the availability docket. One listener says, maybe when Oklahoma goes to the SEC, they can become rivals with Florida and they can battle for the Gator Trophy. Gator Hmm. Bowl 2.0. There you go. Well, uh, the Sooners and the Gators, man, that uh, national championship game, that was such a great Oklahoma offense. If the Sooners had had DeMarco Murray, it was Percy Harvin who was the hero of that game uh, for the Gators. And they had Aaron Hernandez on that team, too. Creepy Aaron Hernandez. But, you know, the Sooners had some chances in the red zone. They didn't cash in. But, um, I, you know, if they had both DeMarco Murray and Chris Brown, and Chris Brown had a pretty good game, I think Oklahoma wins that game. So, all right, uh, do we have time for one more? Or are we out of time? Real we, got, we got a couple more here. With the release of the SEC's schedule next year, can OU be ruled out from moving to the SEC in 2023? I think it's unlikely right now. I would say so, too. I don't think the schedule release – completely nixes that possibility but i think it certainly decreases the likelihood and it gives you an indication that the sec is planning on moving forward in 2023 without oklahoma now in today's day and age in college football obviously money is king Mm -hmm. and so if there is enough if the money situation is right let me just put it that way there's still a chance oklahoma could make that move next year I don't think that's entirely Yeah, I don't think it's completely done, but I think it's unlikely is how I would classify it at this point. All right, thank you to Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Thank you guys for all the texts. We'll get to more of them next hour. We've got Joe Bettner, Sooner contributor for The Athletic, coming up next hour as well. And a lot more texts, OUK State, college football conversation, and recruiting. Keep it right here on The Ref.
Ah, yes, saw some photos of the Selman Brothers statue being put in place, and they've got the official uh, dedication coming up. First family of Oklahoma football, 91, 93, 98, Lucius, Dewey, and Leroy Selman, all class individuals. And uh, was it Barry Switzer who said uh, Mama Selman was uh, really good to the University of Oklahoma with those three outstanding players and uh, class gentlemen as well. So that'll be uh, interesting to see the dedication. You've got the uh, groundbreaking for Love's Field for the Sooner softball program on Friday. Uh, So that will be interesting, too. So a lot of things happening at the University of Oklahoma. Hour number two presented by our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or an SUV. Or if you have a used vehicle that you want to sell or one you're looking for, they will do a great job working with you on that. Give you a fair offer on your vehicle. And, again, they have a great selection there as well. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Again, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Another great guarantee from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Our friends at Riverwind Casino undergoing some renovations right now, but they are open for business, of course. But if you're looking for one of your favorite electronic gaming machines, they have over 2,800. You might find them in a different area. Gaming now in the Showplace Theater temporarily. Gaming in the River Lounge area uh, while the renovations occur. And we also have... Gaming in the Skybridge area right now. They've got a world-class hotel attached to the casino over at Riverwind. You can find gaming machines there as well. As usual, Riverwind always has the great bars and restaurants, the Coop Ale House Bar, great restaurants like Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. The River Buffet is great as well. Fantastic food court, uh, tremendous gift shop, anything uh, that you desire uh, in that gift shop, pretty much, uh, it, it's pretty amazing in there if you haven't been in the Riverwind gift shop. But again, some renovations happening right now with our friends over at Riverwind. They are open for business, but there are three new gaming areas, uh, again, in the Showplace Theater, on the Sky Bridge, and in the River Lounge. Um, Justin and the folks over there do a tremendous job. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay. Uh, let's get to as many texts as we can because we uh, we had kind of a jam-packed first hour. Any news on that kid that was leaning towards Nebraska and Oklahoma? I think Coleman was his last name. Any news on Peyton Bowen and Hicks? That comes from Jeff in Shawnee. Shout out to Shawnee Shompton, as we like to call it. What is the burger place there? Is it called Burger, Hamburger King? King? Hamburger King. Yeah, That's yeah. a place that Brad Pitt, Shawnee's spent very a, own, flies back to have an occasional burger there. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in Shawnee, Oklahoma in my day. Pretty but, good. Uh, Bur- uh, Hamburger, uh, Hamburger King? King does live up to the billing. It's pretty outstanding. Can confirm. Uh, on Peyton Bowen, uh, m- maybe, maybe coming to Oklahoma this weekend. We shall see. Has Hicks moved his date up yet? Hicks has not officially moved his date up. However, as many have mentioned on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, there continues to be buzz that Hicks is going to move the date up. And I have said on Locked In many a time that uh, I don't expect DJ Hicks to still be uncommitted by the time that Oklahoma official date rolls around. November 14th, I believe. November 14th, if I'm not mistaken. So... Uh, yeah, I, I am firmly of the opinion, and I think it's become kind of a consensus behind the scenes, uh, 
uh, is that DJ Hicks is not going to wait until the Under Armour All-American game to announce his commitment. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, On Malachi Coleman, still a race between Nebraska and Oklahoma. Big thing to watch right now is does that Oklahoma official get scheduled? If so, he's probably a Sooner. If not, it's very much up in the air. But if you see an an official visit to Oklahoma land on the schedule, what that mean, what that in all likelihood means is that Malachi Coleman is coming down to Norman. And I'm talking in a permanent sense, not just for the official visit, but I believe he'll be a Sooner if you see that official visit scheduled. Uh, back to the text line here. Can we get an update on Cecilia Kana? Well, not much of an update to be found there. His Oklahoma official visit still scheduled for October 15th. OU does appear to be the leader in that recruitment, and I think there's a decent chance they get him on campus and are able to get him committed not long thereafter. He has an official schedule to Texas A&M on November 4th, I believe. November 4th? I don't know. I, I have to keep so many dates straight in my head. He's got a November official set to Texas A&M. So... It depends on once he visits OU, does he feel the need to go down and see the 12th man in College Station? If so, you're probably waiting until November, December for a decision from Akana. But I think there's a decent chance. I think there's a greater than zero chance Oklahoma is able to get him committed or at least silently committed while on that official visit. Uh, How good could class of 25 Millwood product Jaden Nickens be? Well, right now. He is the number 16 overall player in the 24-7 sports composite. So the two-sport phenom from Oklahoma City, very, very highly regarded, freakishly athletic. Uh, He will be at Oklahoma this weekend for an unofficial visit as well. So no offer yet for Jaden Nickens. I don't figure that is too far off. Lots of people asking, uh, what's the scuttlebutt about new unis this weekend? I plead the fifth. There are rumors about anthracite, maybe uh, a throwback to the Selman era, perhaps. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. They had uh, um, Pennant Willie was on the helmet for K-State over the weekend. They went uh, a little throwback. Uh, yeah, those were awesome. I kind of like those, too. They, they even have caps with, uh, I think that, I think they called him Pennant Willie. Um, the the old Willie mascot. Wildcat, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for K-State. But it didn't work very well against Tulane, that's for sure. No, it did not. You can't wear those uniforms, specifically, you can't wear those helmets and lose. You know, well, here's the deal. As cool as those helmets were, they also lost the helmet battle to Tulane, who had cooler helmets. Disagree. Disagree. Kansas State had the better helmets. They just didn't have the better football team. Wrong, sir. Tulane (laughs) had the better helmets, sir. Oh, let's see what else we got on the text line. Jalen Hale commits to Bama. Yep. Crimson Tide came and stole that one out from under Steve Sarkeesian's nose. Now, Alabama's running away with the top class right now, right? I mean, it's not even going to be close, it doesn't look like. I mean... Yeah, that class is going to be legendary. And I have said it before, I will say it again. I don't know if there's a wide receiver in this 2023 cycle that I would rather have than Jalen Hale. That guy is your next Julio Jones in Tuscaloosa. That boy good. Well, uh, for the Sooners again, uh, let me get some. All right, you just give me yes or no right now, as it stands right now. Now, the last time I made you 
do a prediction on the air where you had to name a number and you nailed it because it's still right here on this reader for last year home comfort systems where they have some details on the company and everything and i wrote it down i asked you where the sooners would be on august 1st nationally and i think at that time they were like i don't know 16 or something maybe 17 in the in the recruiting rankings and you said oh you would at least be number 10 by august 1st and i think they got up to like seven by yeah they blew my expectations away so um yes or no on these guys right now will they wind up at oklahoma dj hicks yes peyton bowen yes ryan yates yes malachi coleman still a little iffy on that one to celia Kana. yes who am I leaving out? Anybody else? No, I mean, that's... That's pretty much it, right? That's about the list at this point. Not Conrad Hussey. Caden McDonald. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I've never been sold on OU's chances with that kid. And he's the D-lineman, right, since they didn't get, uh, obviously, Jordan Renaud. Defensive lineman out of the state of Georgia, correct? Yes, Caden McDonald. State of Georgia. Atlanta area. Um, Conrad Hussey, Marvin Burks, Rohan Fluellen... That's kind of your – those guys are your contingency plan if you don't get one or both of Peyton Bowen or Ryan Yates. But, again, as things stand right now, as things stand right now, and this is very fluid and it has changed a lot over the last few months, but right now today, if you ask me whether Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates are both Sooners in the end, I would say yes. There you go. All right, that's Parker right now. 1.12 p.m. on September 21st, and the last time we held him to a prediction, he uh, he was on the money. Said the Sooners would at least be top 10 by August 1st with their recruiting class, and they ended up 7th. Okay, thank you again to our Hour 2 sponsor, the one and only Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs. They've got a great selection of used vehicles there as well. They're going to give you a fair price, really good price, and work with you on your trade-in. They are looking for the best vehicles out there, and they are getting most of them right now at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Uh, So I'm trying to think. There was one other thing I wanted to mention Um, for this weekend. What do you think about the uh, the slate this weekend? Nationally, you got Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas at A and M, Wisconsin unranked. Uh, you know, lost to Washington State at home. They play in the Horseshoe on ABC. Any chance Mule Shoe takes an L in Corvallis, Oregon? SC was a seven and a half point favorite the last I saw. You'd like to think so. If you asked me to pick that game, I'd pick USC. I'm just not really buying it on Oregon State. It's a real fluky 3-0 and in my mind. I would think that USC is going to have to work for that game. But, yeah, I, I think that, uh, like I said, man, Caleb Williams has been great so far. No picks, eight touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns as well. Travis Dye, who the Sooners played against when he was an Oregon Duck in the Alamo Bowl, has been really good out of the backfield. And of course, you, all you get is the – Bolitnikoff award winner at wide receiver to go along with Mario Williams and the Rice Kid, and they've got some weapons on offense. Uh, Muleshoe playing with, uh, well, I guess you could say Caleb Williams and Mario Williams were kind of his players, but, you know, Muleshoe does good with other people's players. He does. He's the rich college kid with a credit card, you know, too, and a trust fund. He j- That's just who he is. So, and the problem also is that schedule, man, is just – 
It Cupcakes. Looks like, it looks like such an easier road for USC, and it was a pretty easy road, we thought, to begin with, and now it looks even easier. Uh, the, the demons are at work here on this Do they field. play Washington in the regular season? I'm intrigued by this Washington I team. I don't think they do, but let me go ahead and Google it up. I don't think they have the Huskies. Uh, yeah, Michael Penix is off to a really good start for the Huskies, the uh, former uh, Indiana quarterback. And Washington's been scoring some points. Let me check. I don't know what's wrong with this mouse in here. Man, the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire, though. Nope. They have at Oregon State this weekend, and they have Arizona State, Washington State back-to-back at home. Then they go to Utah, to Arizona. They play Cal at home, Colorado at home, at UCLA, and home against Notre Dame. So Washington yeah. not on the schedule, of course. Yeah, Washington State could beat them. Utah could obviously beat them. Notre Dame could still beat them. Notre Dame's going to have to make that, some major improvements, and they, but they have to go to UCLA in that very tough environment in the Rose Bowl where there are 15 <laughs> people there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, those those are some sad. What a disaster that has become. Sad wide shots of the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, and Troy Aikman said it. He, he mentioned this in a tweet. He said, look, we couldn't even fill that place up when we were the number one team in the country. Yeah, that's true. It's L.A. Yeah, you know, it's L.A. All right, uh, we're going to break right here, come back, and get to more texts. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We're coming right back. Wednesday here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. Well, afternoon into the one o'clock hour, 405 651 3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405 651 3439. What is your report card right now, Parker Thune, on the Sooners? Letter grade, offense, defense, special teams. Early grade. That's tough. That's tough. I haven't considered because you got to think about the good as well as the bad, and you can't paint with too broad a brush because when you look at all three of these units, there have been times where they've played some rough football, right? The second quarter against UTEP was not great defensively. The offense didn't really come alive until the second half against Kent State. Uh, special teams, you've had some real nice things in the return game from Marvin Mims and Billy Bowman, but Michael Turk shanks a punt against Kent State. Zach Schmidt misses a field goal against Nebraska. I don't know that I would give any unit an A right now. I would say that defensively, I would give them an A-. minus. I think they've been incredibly consistent with the exception of that second quarter against UTEP. I think that my highest grade would probably go to the defense. 
Offensively, I would say it's a solid B+. They're verging on A territory, but again, that first half against Kent State raised a lot of concerns surrounding what that, what, how this team might struggle in a similar environment, in a similar circumstance uh, against a team that can actually play some defense. Right, so I'll give the offense a B plus. They left something to be desired with that performance against Kent State. Special teams, I'll say B. Because, again, I'm encouraged by what they've done in the return game. But uh, Zach Schmidt missed from, what, 38 yards? Yeah, I think he's about 38, yards. yeah. Uh, Michael Turk, when he hits the ball well, man, it booms. But uh, I think he had a 22-yard punt against Kent State. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure if I've missed any significant moments or plays that I'm not taking into account. But knee-jerk reaction would be defense A minus, offense B plus, special teams B. That sounds better. Right? Fair? Are there any individual players that you would give an A grade to? <laughs> Danny Stutzman, Reggie Grimes, um, who uh, and who else? Marvin Mims? I'd, I'd certainly give an A to Marvin Mims. Yeah. Because when the ball when the ball ends up in that dude's hands, and what you've seen the last couple of weeks, too, is that opposing secondaries have just been willing to tackle him while the ball's in the air to make sure he doesn't burn them deep, which speaks to how dangerous of a weapon Mims is in the passing game. So I would certainly give an A to Mims. I'd certainly give an A to Stutzman. Uh, Grimes deserves an A as well. And under the radar, A would be Ethan Downs. Yeah, it hasn't necessarily yeah. shown up in the stat sheet, but he has been impactful. Jaron Canick, all things considered, I'd consider pretty, giving pretty, him an A. Pretty close because yeah. he whiffed on a couple of sacks against Nebraska. But he's a true freshman, man. Like how many? Brent true said freshmen? he's still learning how to play linebacker, and that dude, you talk about the total package. He's going to be a superstar. How too. many true freshmen are doing what Jaron Canick's doing right now? I understand he hasn't been perfect, and Brent Venables say Brent Venables told us Saturday he'd be the first one to admit that. Billy that he Bowman, has not been perfect. Billy Bowman has been really, really good. Yeah, good call. Billy Bowman uh, has been tremendous, too, as well. Um, Gunny of Stutzman Army asked on the text line, I need some advice, Steely. How do I tell my wife I've purchased Red River Showdown tickets? Uh, I, how would you like to go down to the uh, the Metroplex, down to DFW, uh, the weekend of October 8th? We can dine, stay at a nice place, and have a nice romantic weekend. And when she says, yes, that sounds great. Oh, by the way, OU Texas will be mixed in as well as part of our Saturday. Listen, plan. Gunny, I, I don't know how to say this delicately, but if your woman isn't on board with going to the Red River Showdown, I think there's some more significant conversations that need to take place. If you're worried about how to tell her, well then, it would seem that, again – there need to be some deeper talks had. Maybe. But clearly we're talking about Gunny of Stutzman Army, though. That man, I'm telling you, he's got a lot of answers. So I wouldn't worry. Everybody's saying, by the way, Braden Willis uh, deserves an A plus. You would Agree probably give that. him an A, but he did drop one touchdown pass. Right? Did he? Which game was that? Wasn't it the uh the second it was the uh Kent State game, I believe, right? I don't recall that. Unless yeah, I'm imagining I've, things. 
Nah, I could be. Uh, I could just be spacing on. Kendall says he could be sleeping in the doghouse. Those are expensive, but look, Braden Willis has made up for that. He had a couple of touchdown receptions in game one. His blocking has been phenomenal. It is. Uh, so yeah, I would still give him an A. Somebody said, Parker, you try running full speed at someone. Oh, I didn't see the previous text. Yeah, on It's Jared hard to Kanick. tackle a quarterback when you're running full speed. Canick didn't wiggle. It's hard to do. Parker, you try running full speed at someone. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay? What I'm saying is, despite the fact that he missed those couple of sacks because he came into the backfield a little out of control, what Jaron Canick has done as a true freshman is undeniably impressive, and it's a lot easier to teach a guy how to finish the play once he gets there than to teach him how to get there in the first place. Jaron Kanick already has the hard stuff under control. He's got, already got the hard stuff figured out. Also, who do you want mm-hmm. me to run full speed at? I'll do it. I'll do it. You could run you uh, half speed and sag me at, like in a flag football game outdoors. We could try that later. By the way, I just got a text from a legend, the one, the only, Dave Sittler. Who texted me, Dave, you texted me. I know you want this out. Mule Shoe should be arrested for the way he underused Marvin Mims last <laughs> season. I would love, let's go arrest him in Corvallis this weekend. Just, what's the offense? Horrible use of Marvin Mims. It's a statute, sir. We're taking you, taking you away. Sorry. Oh, gosh. To think Mule Shoe so ignored. Marvin Mims' very presence in his offense that Marvin Mims almost transferred. Unforgivable. Mm-hmm. I know. Can you imagine that? Yeah, Marvin Mims was was very close. If Mule Shoe was still going to be here, guess who wouldn't be here? Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, a man of character, class, integrity, talent, and ability. Mule shoe, a man packed with lies and BS in a attention-seeking clown for a sidekick. That's Gunny, the difference between the two. Gunny says that's a job for Uncle, I think. Citizens arrest on Mule Shoe. <laughs> I remember that was one of the great episodes of the uh, Andy Griffith show back in the day. I'm old enough to remember the citizens arrest that Gomer Pyle pulled on. Barney Five. Oh boy, this this will be this will go over well with the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This listener says, "Attention, men, please quit taking your wives to OU Texas. It's not a game for the weak. I'm tired of seeing women sitting on their hands in the fourth quarter. Men, stop taking your wives to OU Texas." <laughs> Brought to you by the good people at Misogyny. <laughs> I kind of get it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But, you know, your wife should be your best friend. You know, you should take your wife to OU Texas. But, yes, that wife needs to yell and yell very loudly. Okay, we should take a break right here. We got Joe. Uh, that Who's the uh, the clown sidekick? Uh, Clark Stroud. This listener says, is Caden McFarland going to be on the show today? Well, you missed him. <laughs> now we got we, we were supposed to have him on at 135 but if, the old uh, man got real confused man if steely had remembered to take his medication this morning I we'd have a, him coming up next segment i but. made a complete mess of my depends and i got both guests uh at the wrong time and joe bettner is a nice guy and uh, no ordinary joe he said 
eh, don't worry about it. I'm good for 135. That's because he knows that I'm, I'm starting to lose it. Okay, take a break. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, X72. Great deal. Car, truck, SUV, used vehicle. Great guarantee. Oil change for you for life. Also, they guarantee the engines for life. Two, newer used gas or diesel. That's big time. Stay with us. Coming right back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. He is Joe Bednar, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline right now, Steelman and Thune, on a Wednesday afternoon here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Joe's moving on up. Joe is moving on up. Now he is a contributing writer for The Athletic. Congratulations, Joe. That's awesome. Uh, Well-deserved. What did you think about the Oklahoma domination in Lincoln over the weekend? Man, that was quite the uh, quite the show that Oklahoma put on, especially after coming out flat and giving up a touchdown early for them to shake off that early kind of, you know, that kind of early setback and to really settle in, dominate in a way that we just really haven't seen Oklahoma dominate in a way on both sides of the ball. And that balance is just something that's been missing. And to kind of see it in action, granted it's, you know, not the best competition. Nebraska is definitely not the – the best team that Oklahoma will see, but it's a, it's a positive step in you know the right direction for a program that has played down to its competition in recent years and you know come close to losing to some you know inferior opponents. So for them to get through these first three weeks unscathed and look pretty good doing it is, I think, a really good sign for what's to come for Oklahoma. Well, you mentioned it, Joe. Oklahoma really hasn't drubbed an opponent the way they drubbed Nebraska on Saturday in quite some time. But I'm curious. How much stock do you put into that performance? Because much as OU hasn't beaten a team like that in a while, nobody's really beaten Nebraska like that in a while. Yeah, Nebraska has not played great football on the whole uh, over the entirety of the Scott Frost era, really. And you look at the uh, you look at their record a year ago, three and nine, one win in Big Ten play, but all of their previous thirteen losses came by single digits. So again. Nobody had taken Nebraska behind the woodshed the way Oklahoma did in a really, really long time. So is Nebraska as bad as they looked Saturday? And I think that defensively that was just about what you kind of expected out of Nebraska, just what we've seen. But I think it's a good point you make just in terms of what Nebraska has been able to do even during a tougher period for the program than what they're accustomed to is just the fact that this is a team that plays hard and play like is bought in usually to the program. It's it's almost a little like playing a, a Kansas State or Iowa State in terms of 
you are going to get this team's best effort every time. And I don't think that if, you know, coming out of Saturday, I don't think you can, you know, just say, well, they didn't care that they gave up because their coach is gone. They looked like they cared at the start of that game and Oklahoma imposed its will in a way that it just either, whether it's coaching or talent, but it is culminated in such a way that I think you have to be impressed with what Oklahoma did against Nebraska, not only for the sake that Nebraska is a tough team to play and Lincoln's a tough place to go up to. It's the fact that Oklahoma, just kind of like I said, you know, this is a team that gets ridiculed quite a bit for beating a two-lane team by five points last year or needing something from Caleb Williams to beat Kansas at the last minute, snatching the ball away from Kennedy Brooks. Oklahoma's doing what a playoff team, a national championship caliber team is supposed to do, and that's go out and beat the brakes off of an inferior opponent, whether it's on the road or at home. Oh, you went out and did that, and uh, I think that they deserve their credit. Now, as, you know, as I said, not the best team they'll face all year, but you have to like the step that they're taking. Joe Bednar, I guess, contributor for The Athletic, covering the Sooners. Uh, what do you make of the, the Bedlam controversy uh, reemerging uh, yesterday and uh, all the blame going around on both sides? Don't we got enough to talk about? <laughs> it's I know, like I said, Brett McMurphy, why, why did you do that? I'm like, no. It's I, like, I feel like college football has some kind of quota about like we have to have like one non like really football thing to talk about each week and like you know the playoff expansion. Um, we've obviously, obviously, you know, over the last year, have had so much nil discussion, but now you know stuff like this and conference realignment, it's not going to go away, but. I think for the most part it's it, it's it's silly because I think we all kind of know 10 years from now, you know, cooler heads will prevail. They'll play the game again. They'll get it going again. It's it's too important, I think, to the state's economy to not, you know, eventually have it on again. But, you know, Oklahoma's doing what's best for them. Oklahoma State's trying to do what's best for them by not playing the game. And it's, uh, it's just kind of, you know, it just feels like, a, you know, just two universities, you know, just that are at odds that I think eventually this kind of dies down. But uh, for the most part, it's just one of those things that keeps getting brought back up and it makes no sense why it keeps getting brought back up. Although I did enjoy Mike Gundy's, uh, his notes written out and shared with the media uh, uh, yesterday. That was, uh, that was quite entertaining. So it's, uh, it, once again, it's, it's, it's something that we, did, we already obviously already knew. Um, but just when it, at the end of the day, they'll, they'll play Bedlam again. It, it, it's it's tough right now, and obviously everyone has their opinions. But it's a uh, it's it's a story because <laughs> Brett McMurphy reported it. I'm just kind of kind of hoping it, it blows over because it's it, once again it's just it's kind of it's kind of silly uh, for the most part. My Gundy was nothing if not prepared. It was for like that he question. had the little now, Mike Leach, Lincoln Riley, <laughs> you know, little piece of paper. All right, guys, you tell me if I'm wrong here, okay? Now, Joe, I am curious, as you look at what Dylan Gabriel has done over the first three games, this fan base seems to be very divided uh, with regard to his performance. It feels like half of these folks look at what he's done, what he's accomplished, both as a thrower and as a runner. Zero turnovers, eight passing touchdowns, two more on the ground. But then the other half looks at it and says, well, he's left a lot on the table. He's left a lot of meat on the bone, missed some throws he probably would like to have made. So how would you grade Dylan Gabriel's performance through three games, and what is your level of concern regarding what the Sooner quarterback uh, is going to do over the course of Big 12 conference play? I think the best way that I can put it, Parker, is 
I feel a lot better than I did this time last year with Oklahoma's quarterback situation and the year before that too. I feel a lot better about where they're at with Dylan Gabriel. And I'm writing about Dylan Gabriel this week, a story I'm doing for the athletic, just about his quick, you know, leadership and kind of the chemistry he's quickly built with the team. It's been nothing short of, you know, kind of, I almost want to say a miracle because like when you bring in this many transfers, Dylan Gabriel being one of them, it is so tough to to kind of navigate who's going to be, you know, who's who's going to mesh, who's going to who's going to gel and get, you know, you know, be that team that can kind of come together quickly. And you know, I think that Dylan Gabriel has, you know, flaws in terms of just like, and maybe not even flaws. He has caps on his game that you know I think are, are apparent from some of the things that just we've we've seen throughout his college career. You know, at some point you are what you are, but I do think that at the same time we quite haven't seen Dylan Gabriel with this kind of skill talent. And I think that one of the telling things for me talking with like some of the receivers is just like Dylan knows this offense so well that it's almost like he's playing at a pace where other players are still trying to catch up to. I think this is a matter of time before you really see this offense take its full form. I think they're trending in a direction where, you can safely say that this team is not peaked yet and they are they are getting there, which is not always the case. Like last year, OU's offense just kind of was what it was from week one. And it felt like it never really got better or really any worse, but just it kind of was what it was. But I think that with Dylan Gabriel, you have a guy that, you know, maybe maybe he's leaving some stuff out there, but at the same time, you know, are, are you trying to throw the whole kitchen sink? You know, are you trying to – you know, throw out the entire game plan in the first few weeks against UTEP and Kent State. Give it some time. This team has got bigger plans than, you know, winning their first three games by 30 points. It's, you know, a small thing in the grand scheme of things. But the way that he's managing the team right now, you have to be happy, I think, with the way that he's playing. Even if there are, you know, some, you know, some flaws here and there, I think you have to feel good with what you've got in terms of just – how quickly he's been able to assert himself not only as a leader, but just as, you know, getting this offense back up and running after a, a, a tough first half against Kent State. And they've they've looked pretty, you know, pretty stellar ever since. Joe, we appreciate it. Uh, Joe Bedner, contributor for The Athletic. Thanks for your time. We will talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Always a good time. Joe Bedner joining us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline at 405-329-9000. All right, uh, we're going to have to get some bumper music coming back because Kevin in Tulsa says it's his birthday, so he wants some Claypool bumper. Hey, I will find him some less Claypool. Winona's Big Brown Beaver. You can play that. That was my first thought, too. Winona's Big Brown Beaver. There you go. In honor of Bill Shue and Caleb Williams this weekend. That's right. That is a song, folks, by Primus. You can go ahead and Google it up. Be right back.
That video's crazy, too. Of course, Primus, they... Uh, you know the story behind that video, right? Uh, no, I don't. So the reason why it looks like... The, the reason why their movement looks so jumpy mm-hmm. is because they... So what, what happened was they slowed the track way, way down and played along with it at a significantly slowed tempo. And oh, then they really? sped up the video after the fact. So it looks like they're like all hyped up on caffeine or something like that mm. when you watch the video and Primus is uh they're they were they're out there but uh Les Claypool's an alien yes man. It, Les Claypool's a different breed of cat but man he can play that bass guitar I'll tell you what maybe the most talented bassist of all time he's he's up there he's in the running there's no doubt all right to the air cover solutions text line for the 712 Steely has said Caleb Williams is playing great but Gabriel has the exact same numbers I'm not worried well Close, but completion percentage, Caleb 74, Gabriel 67. Yardage, Caleb 875, Gabriel 759. Um, Touchdown passes, Caleb Williams has eight, Gabriel has seven. Both have two rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying Dylan Gabriel's playing bad. He's been been solid for OU, but he has also missed a couple throws on uh, his numbers – Probably should be better than Caleb Williams right now if he makes a couple of throws. And, again, you don't make every throw. The best quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, whoever you want to point to, they don't make every single throw. But I think there have been a couple of throws that he's missed that could have led to touchdowns. So they're not quite the same, but they're, he's in the same ballpark. So, Les Claypool tried to join Metallica after Cliff Burton's death, but they told him he was too good to join. So, I was <laughs> – yes, that's – He would have stole the show from Hepfield or Lars. Yeah, that's the thing. Can you imagine Les Kirk Claypool Hammond. and Metallica? Oh, yeah. That's, that's basically a super group right there. But, yes, apparently Metallica not only told, uh, not only told Les that he was too good to join – but Les ultimately conceded, I just really didn't fit Metallica. Because yeah. you think about it, his style is so unique. He's one of those guys that's kind of got to be doing his own thing. Yeah. And, and his own thing happens to be Primus, which out, is out there. Out which front is weird. bass players. How many out front? Uh, Getty Lee's an out front bass player. Uh, Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy. Lizzy. Dude, I was just going to say that. You just uh, you scored another point. All right, I'm putting that one. Point Parker. Philip Lynott, Thin Lizzy, Irish band. Man, we lost him way too soon. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare that you see a bass player being the front man. Well, let, I mean, what, Paul McCartney to an extent, obviously. Sure. But what makes Les Claypool so freaky is that he can sing and rap and scat while doing all of that ridiculous stuff on a six-string fretless bass. Crazy. I, I, how could you play something fretless? Well, I mean, it's... I think you play an instrument for long enough. You kind of get, yeah, yeah. I I get it. But I can't imagine trying to do that. You know, you you couldn't do it when you're learning. Bootsy Collins, that's a good call. Yeah. Bootsy, man. Another guy that's got some style. No doubt about it. Dang it, somebody beat me with the Les Claypool Metallica audition story. Apparently, Primus just did a tour of Rush covers, says one of those. Primus is basically what Rush would be. If they were all stoners and made music in reflection of that reality. The greatest bassist, Wayman Tisdale. He's up there with the uh, 
He's up there with the greatest jazz bassist of all time. Wayman can play, man, big time. Uh, that was the most surprised I've ever seen Parker on the show when he learned that Wayman Tisdale was also a great jazz bassist. Well, it wasn't really that. It was the fact that, and I looked this up and corroborated it, he played the bass strung upside down. Mm-hmm. So he was a left-handed bassist, but he played a right-handed bass that he just basically flipped over. Yeah. That is mind-numbing to me. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino today. I want to let you know if you're headed over to Riverwind, they still have all those great gaming machines there, over 2,800 of them, but they're spread around a little bit now. So if you're looking for your favorite, say it's Open the Vault or another uh, specific gaming machine and you can't find it on the main floor, there are some renovations happening on the gaming floor, the main gaming floor right now at Riverwind. So you might find your favorite machine at one of three places, in the show Place Theater. Also, River Lounge and the Sky Bridge right there that attaches, obviously, the hotel to the casino. So uh, your favorite machine's there. You might have to look for it or ask one of the great people who, uh, you know, are out there running the floor at Riverwind. They'll point you in the right direction. Always uh, great promotions out there. And, again, even though there are gaming machines in the Showplace Theater now down the road, we're going to have some great concerts again at the Showplace Theater. Don't you worry about that. So, again, uh, best dining, best bars. Uh, they've got a great gift shop and uh, anything you're looking for. Big time hotel. Riverwind Hotel is world class as well. Uh, we want to thank our friends again at Riverwind Casino. Angry Sooner says, KREF slowly turning into another sports music trivia station. Talk football. Is that uh, tongue in cheek? I think so. Hopefully. Probably so. It was 90 seconds. It came from Angry Sooner, so maybe Angry Sooner's legitimately angry. Could be. It was 90 seconds, dude. 90 seconds. Some of these people, we live in a less civil society, so some of these hillbillies, I'm just not going to take any lip from anymore. Sometimes. If I think they're kidding, I usually know if they're kidding. You know what I'm saying? Okay, uh, Kevin in Tulsa with Les Claypool. Uh, somebody said uh, also Flea. We've got like 96. Let's get out of here. Yeah, but Flea's not a front man. It's still Anthony Kiedis, but he's out there out front, yes. I guess what I'm thinking of somebody who sings uh, a lot of the leads or all of the leads and plays the guitar. Okay, uh, 13. Right now, I'm going to ask you, would you take Oklahoma to cover the 13 against Kansas State right now? Yes, I would, barely. I mm-hmm. think my I, – and I got asked by uh, our K-State site contributors over at gopoweratcat.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. I got asked the other day uh, to give them my score prediction on the football game. I believe I said Oklahoma 38, Kansas State 24. Seriously? So I have them covering, but that's barely. My, that's my exact score. Really? Yep. You know what they say about great minds, right? They go. think alike. They think alike. I'll probably have to change mine. I might go 37-23 or something like that. Okay, uh, thank you again to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. We appreciate them. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Uh, moving closer to another another weekend. I'm just kidding, 918. You guys, again. Jeez. I think you're the one being the pansy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, and thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino for helping out with hour number two right here. One o'clock, our pregame show. One o'clock, our pregame show from the Hertz Donuts 
parking lot, and Balfour of Norman. I'll be spending some more money at Balfour again, but you know what? I'm happy to do it. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We will see you.